Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello. Welcome to Jewel Says... I'm Julie, Jules, grandmother, mom. Thank you for being here and taking the time to listen. I appreciate your time. I appreciate hearing from you. And I hope you share Jules Says with friends, family, enemies, anyone at all. All opinions and perspectives in Jules Says are mine and mine alone. My daughter Catherine's show, Parental Guidance, is available this week. Not in Canada or the U.S., of course, but it's available in the U.K., And it's not just a reality show about her own family. I actually saw some guy reviewed it. I didn't read the whole thing. But basically he said, well, the little bit that I did read said, I assume it was a guy. Basically the review was, hire two nannies. That's the advice. Duh. No, 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 no. No. He obviously didn't watch it. Or he didn't pay attention. Or he was on his phone scrolling as he watched it. Or he's just an idiot. In this show... She investigates, or not investigates, in this show, she meets with different people to talk about different parenting styles because, as she and I always say, we can listen to people's advice and opinions, but at the end of the day, you know yourself, you know your children, your lifestyle, your family, and you get to decide what works for you. And she admits all the time that she's privileged because she has a house spouse. She has money for a nanny and some help. She admits that. Although she did not always have money for a nanny. There were times she barely had enough food when Violet was little. And her nanny was sometimes other comedians in the green room at a gig. She even wore Violet on stage at least once. 
So she's not saying that's what you need. Definitely. At the end of the day, you just can't let anyone shame you for any of your parental choices. Unless, of course, you're abusing your children, then you should be ashamed of yourself. Or any of your well-intentioned missteps, because we're all human. We're all just doing our best and making mistakes along the way. And I'm woman enough to admit when I make mistakes. Even though I don't believe in yelling at children, I have to admit, I have occasionally lost my cool, and I'm not proud of that. But I think the important thing to do when we fall short in any of our relationships, whether it's work, parent, child, friendships, anything, we need to apologize. Because children not only learn to apologize when you apologize, you're basically modeling good behavior. They feel respected and loved when you care enough about their feelings to apologize. As long as you also try to do better tomorrow. Those empty apologies with no effort to actually change are not helpful. I've seen a few of those in my lifetime. And of course, the whole potty training topic, which seems to be controversial for some reason. And surprisingly to me, it seems to get people all heated up. I did not potty train the way Catherine recommends. But I will say this. I don't think she's wrong. And I also think even if you have no intention of trying to get your children out of diapers or nappies before age two, there's no harm in sitting a little child on the potty every morning once they're three or four months old. Like Catherine says, sing them a song, read them a story. They will likely do a pee or a poo, especially when they wake up, and they're too little to protest. And then when they're ready to actually be trained, they're less likely to resist sitting on a potty because they will have taken it for granted as an option all along. I saw an Instagram post very recently of a small child who was old enough to speak clearly. This child was having a potty discussion with his dad or his caregiver. The dad says, where do we go poo? And he says, in a diaper. He had been trained to use the diaper and now was expected to change that. And this little boy was resisting the change, which is normal for toddlers. We've all heard stories of children who stubbornly refuse to use a potty or stubbornly refuse to cooperate in all kinds of ways, and it just becomes an unfortunate battle, a battle that you really don't need to have if you start them young enough. And even though it won't really matter over the long run, I mean, after all, your child is not going to high school in nappies. Why not avoid the battle? Any battles you can avoid when they're at that age? <sighs> Worth trying, I think. I think toddlers are difficult enough without having that challenge on top of it. But enough about that. The point is, we should all listen, learn, take tips that work for us, and toss away the ones that don't, and just don't jump all over other people for doing things differently, because we're all different, and that's okay. And if you happen to be in the UK, check out the show, Catherine Ryan, Parental Guidance. I'm in one episode, too. Not that that's an actual reason to see it. It isn't. But I'm just saying I'm in one of the episodes. This isn't 100% reality TV because she does meet with other people, but it's not quote-unquote scripted. And I'm generally not a huge fan of reality TV. I do like some shows, but I was never really a huge fan. And it seems to me that the reality TV genre surged in popularity years ago during another writer's strike. So why am I 
not a big fan of reality TV, partly because I've always had enormous admiration and appreciation for excellent writing. I just wish I could come up with that. And when I'm watching something that's really clever, I just think, how did they come up with that? It's so impressive to me. And it's one of the many things I have never done and will sadly never be able to do, i.e. be in the writer's room at that table. It just looks really fun. It looks like it looks like a fun job. Maybe it isn't, but that's what it seems like to me. And I'm sure it's exhilarating when you nail it. It must be so gratifying to bounce ideas off each other. I'm sure you have days when you're not coming up with anything and that can be frustrating. But I mean, overall, I just can't imagine that kind of a job. Catherine has a friend, Heidi Brander, who is, she's been a writer for years for television, different shows. She's a showrunner or was a showrunner. I should get her on to talk about what that's like. Maybe it's not so great after all. But anyway, I am in awe of that level of creative talent. Abe and I have rewatched a handful of shows that we think were brilliantly written. And although they may talk about things in a way that we just wouldn't today in some of the scenes, it's amazing how a lot of these shows still stand the test of time. They're still so clever, so insightful, like Seinfeld, 30 Rock, Friends. And for the last few weeks, we've been watching, not re-watching, but watching for the first time, another little gem we had no idea was so fabulous. Hot in Cleveland. Who knew? There is so much to love about Hot in Cleveland. What an ensemble, for one. Four incredible female leads, not 20-somethings, including, of course, the incomparable Betty White. She has so many great lines, and her delivery is absolutely sublime. Abe and I are constantly marveling at her performance in this show. No wonder she was such a legend. And Abe and I both agree that the writing of this show is brilliant, and it's filmed before a live studio audience. I wish I could go back in time and be in one of those audience tapings. I just love that kind of thing. If you've never seen Hot in Cleveland, I highly recommend it. I hope against hope that the performers and writers and creative team get residuals from the streaming services now that it's airing again, but who knows? This is another example of why we need writers, writers who can earn a decent living. I know the strike is over, but my God, how long is it going to be until we have another one? Well-written shows just give us regular people an escape from reality. So please, please bring back the well-written sitcom and studio audience recordings, please. Even if it costs more, oh, I see there are ads now on Netflix. Not too happy. See, streaming services were supposed to release us from that. Now they have ads. We've uh, kind of been led down the garden path on that one now, haven't we? I don't mind paying for content and I don't mind ads as long as they aren't so frequent and annoying and repetitive that you completely lose your train of thought. I can deal with a handful of ads, but come on. If you're going to make us watch commercials, have some studio audience recordings. Now, all of that is not to say that I never watch reality TV. I just generally prefer a well-written series or a documentary. I love documentaries. 
And I also don't trust how real reality TV is because I know the producers are behind the scenes coaching people to to give them something spicy. One show that Carrie recommended that Abe and I check out is Love on the Spectrum. And last week, we finally did. I realize that being diagnosed as quote-unquote on the spectrum is very broad. There are genius-level people on the spectrum who maybe just don't read social cues as well as the rest of us. For example, Temple Grandin, all the way to people who are perhaps not able to live on their own without some sort of care or caregiving or support. And the show is interesting. It's interesting to see the range of personalities on that show. One of the young men seems to be excessively stressed about going on a date or interrupting his routine to go on a date. He has a very loving family. Obviously, they know him and love him, and I know nothing about him or his family, but at the risk of being dead wrong, I do think there are people, whether they're on the spectrum or not, who are perfectly happy being single and not dating at all. Ever. And this guy's family believes that he is lonely. While the parents are out on a date night or the siblings are out with their boyfriends or girlfriends, this guy's at home alone with his dogs watching TV. So he's trying to date, which seems to elicit some really high anxiety in him. From what I've seen so far, I've only seen a couple of episodes. I know it's healthy for people to have good relationships and to try new things, even if they're scary or intimidating. God knows I'm no stranger to trying things that are scary. But this made me wonder, is that guy happy staying home with the dogs watching TV? He could be. And I just think society places way too much emphasis on seeking or being in a romantic relationship or having a partner. Maybe instead of love on the spectrum, they should have a show called fun on the spectrum. And instead of helping people find a partner, they could help them discover how to, I don't know, enjoy and share interests with like-minded people, hobbies, friendships. Because those are the places where most of us are more likely to find a partner anyway. And then it's not. And then it takes the pressure off even more because the idea isn't that you're quote unquote dating. You're just spending time with other people with shared interests. And those social interactions are very important too. I mean, you you don't want to, I don't think most people want to be married to someone who expects that one person to fulfill all their emotional and social needs, that would be unreasonable. So watching the show kind of makes me think it's unfair pressure to expect everyone to date, to aspire to have a partner. I suppose fun on the spectrum wouldn't be nearly as spicy as love on the spectrum. But I just feel badly for this young man. His family keeps reminding him that there's no pressure Yet he still seems to feel pressured, and he feels a lot of confusion that goes with that. There's another babe on this show who's sassy, direct, pretty, smart. I love her facial expressions when she reacts to what some of her dates have to say. I just love her directness. I think we could take a page out of some of these people's books and be a little more honest than we are. She lives with her aunt and uncle, and when she was discussing one of her dates with them and the importance of chemistry, she said, girls get horny too. 
the look on her uncle's face, I mean, she's not wrong, of course, but her directness was something to behold. She had a date with one guy who said he wanted to have children someday. She said she'd be willing to adopt a child, but he said he wanted children with his DNA, and she just shut that down. Her reason? She doesn't want to give birth because she doesn't want to ruin her figure. Like, I thought that was... I mean, she does have a rockin' little figure, and I can understand wanting to keep that going. Does that make her shallow, vain? You might think so, but when you consider how how women feel about our appearance against the backdrop of societal expectations and the the value that society places on a woman's physical attractiveness, I think she can be forgiven for feeling that way. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. But giving birth isn't what ruins your figure. It may change it, and some people more than others. My mother Dorothy used to say that it improved a woman's figure because it made her hips wider. Ah, okay, Dorothy. I don't know about that, but obviously everyone's pregnancy is different, so you don't know what it's going to do to your body until you're there. And and I always say, as long as you're moving enough, you're not 100% sedentary, and you're eating lots of healthful food, your figure will take care of itself. You will be what you're supposed to be. But there are also the skin changes. Even if you don't get stretch marks, your skin might not snap back to its original taut state, especially the older you get or the more children you have. And even if you never have a baby, 
The reality is that age is going to change your skin. Age will change your figure. So let's not fret about how giving birth will change our bodies. I know plenty of women who've never given birth who do not have perfect figures, who maybe have loose skin or stretch marks just from growing or even just from gaining and losing weight. I'm sure you've seen pictures of your mom when you were little. Did her figure look pretty good then? Different from how it looks as an older granny? Probably. My mom looked great, and she had four children. Did her figure change as she aged? Of course it did. As is mine. As has mine changed. So I don't think giving birth changes your body as much as maybe the aftermath of taking care of a baby being chronically exhausted, not having any support. A lot of people don't have a lot of support, either from their partners or from extended family. Rushing around, trying to look after everyone's needs but your own. So many nights I succumbed to nibbling on arrowroot cookies. And before I had Catherine, I never touched rice, potatoes, bread, cookies. Like, I was very diligent. But I just didn't care because I was so exhausted as I paced the kitchen with my baby in my arms. My life was a mad rush after work to get everything done. My weekends felt like a 48-hour marathon. And so many nights I struggled to stay awake as I read stories and then got up to finish cleaning the kitchen, tidying up toys, putting some wash in, all the constant busyness of having small children. Time to go to the gym? Are you kidding me? It was a mad swirl of busyness, like shoveling in a snowstorm, I used to say. However, I did generally get a lot done after they went to bed, because I'm a bit of a night owl, which is a quality that no one admires. Abe and I saw a really fabulous film about Diana Nyad, who, if you've never heard of her, she is a marathon swimmer who successfully swam from Cuba to Florida when she was my age, 64. And she was the first human to actually accomplish it, never mind being someone that age. Annette Benning played Nyad, and Jodie Foster played her unfailingly supportive friend, the wind beneath her wings, Bonnie. Yes, Diana Nyad is extraordinary. Yes, she is an inspiration. But in a way, she's also... She's also a bit maddening. People with that level of ambition have a hard time understanding regular people. Just as I could not fathom or begin to imagine her level of motivation, I couldn't stand going to master swim at 6 a.m. in an indoor pool for one hour. Never mind, I, I mean, she would practice and swim for over 20 hours at a time. For most of us, it's human nature to avoid pain or discomfort. Maybe there's something genetic that enables certain people to just ignore that. Uh, If there is, I do not have that gene. And in my case, I also hate getting up in the morning. And I've often heard it said that if you don't feel refreshed when you wake up, then you haven't had a good sleep or you haven't gone to bed early enough. I've never woken up feeling refreshed ever, never, ever in my life. I have felt groggy every single morning of my life because I am not a morning person. And and one of the maddening things is how morning people think people like me are lazy. 
If you have a dream, don't let it go, Diana preaches. Well, she has a point, but she did kind of bulldoze a lot of people into sacrificing a lot to support her dream, which is fine for her, but I cannot imagine expecting anyone to sacrifice anything for me, never mind years of financial stability. I don't even like to ask Gabe to reach a high shelf. But this woman pushed and pushed, and the people who supported her sacrificed a lot to support her. I mean, I'm sure they got something out of it, too. They did. They, they were thrilled with the result, and it was an amazing achievement. But still, the process. And she apparently, even now, gets up at something like 4 or 4.30 in the morning and plays some wake-up song on her trumpet. Of course, her neighbors don't like that. Surprise, surprise. Wow, what a hero. I'm up at four in the morning when all you other lazy bitches are asleep. That's not a direct quote. I did not bother looking up exactly what she said. But that was the gist of it, pretty much, to me. Oh, good for you, you demanding self-absorbed bully. You're up at 4 a.m.? Congratulations. You didn't have babies waking you up through the night. Oh, and what time did you go to bed? People are so quick to label you as lazy if you're not a morning person, but you never hear us night people saying, I'm up until 2 a.m. while you lazy morning people are fast asleep. What time did you go to bed? 9 p.m.? What are you, six years old? <laughs> no, you don't hear us saying that, because paradoxically, society labels you as lazy if you sleep late but not if you go to bed early. I happen to be a morning sleeper. I've done the morning thing. I've had to get up between 5 and 5.30 a.m. to get ready for work after a night of being up several times with little ones. I've had to feed and dress my baby to leave the house at 6 so I could get her to a sitter or the daycare and be at work by 7. I've done it. I've gotten up at 5 to go for a run. I've gotten up at 5.30 to go to the gym before work. I don't like it. And recently I've done it. This isn't something I only did when I was young. I've done it recently, even after my babies were grown and gone, which does make it a lot easier if you don't have little kids. But even in recent years, I've had to leave the house by 6 or 6.15 a.m. for work. I tried leaving at 5 a.m. to drive to Sarnia one Monday morning. No way. I did it once, never again. Because I hate it. It goes completely against my nature. I like to wake up between 7.30 and 8 and slowly get moving and at my home office by about 9. That's perfect for me. In some people's opinion, though, that makes me lazy. But if I have work to do or a project on the go or a riveting book to read, I get my second wind at about 10 p.m. Even as a teen, I used to read or make candles and crafts. We had no screens back in the olden days. And I would stay up working on my little projects till 2 a.m. or later. I really enjoyed the solitude, the quiet. It's therapeutic. I used to sew quite a bit when my children were little. No way was I getting up at 3 or 4 a.m. to sew. I often sewed into the night until 2, 3, sometimes 4 a.m. And I enjoyed that. I didn't get sleepy at the time because I was busy. Painting, wallpapering, gift wrapping, reading, if the book is riveting enough. Some books will actually put me to sleep. But I love doing those things late into the evening, into the wee hours of the morning, in peaceful solitude when no one else is around. Was I tired the next morning? Absolutely. 
but I'd rather do that than go to bed at nine and lie awake thinking about everything I could be accomplishing. And I'm tired every morning, no matter how early I go to bed, so I might as well get things done. And it never occurred to me to judge people who don't work on things into the night. So why do people judge the morning sleepers? Where were they at 2 a.m. when I was sewing little dresses? In Diana's case, she might have been swimming in open water. But she's exceptional. I know a lot of people have problems getting up in the morning because they've been on social media or watching videos into the wee hours of the morning. And if you can't get up and can't get yourself to school or work, then it's a problem that you need to fix. If you can't function at school or work, that's also a problem you need to fix. But that wasn't me. I don't know how you get a teen to stop doing this because access to sophisticated, handheld computers with unlimited content certainly didn't exist when I or even my children were teens. And apparently, according to certain studies, reading a book or working on a project is different than looking at a blue screen, which is somehow worse for you. Probably not good for your eyeballs or your thumbs at the very least. Don't get me wrong. I am in awe of what Diane Nyad accomplished. And I agree that you can't give up on your dreams just because people tell you you're too old. I haven't given up on my dreams entirely, though my dreams are not as lofty as her dream was. And the film overall is truly wonderful, and I highly, highly recommend it. She certainly is a character. She certainly is a force. And I do go to bed at a more reasonable hour these days because now that I'm old, I am seriously more tired than I used to be. Let's just stop judging people for their parenting, for their taste in entertainment, for, for going to bed early or sleeping in a little bit later than you do. You never know what someone else is going through or what they have been going through. And apparently now I'm watching quite a bit of TV, too. Whew. What a lazy woman I'm becoming. Diana would be disgusted. Before I leave you, I thought I'd share a message I received from a listener. I don't often share. A lot of times people ask me not to, but I do always respond if you have anything you'd like to share. Hi, Julie. My partner's father has recently been through a turbulent relationship, but he never talks about his problems and has always suffered in silence. He recently received a call from his dad about the whole relationship and how toxic it was with really personal details. My question is, with someone who's quite reserved, how can my partner support him through this problem without feeling like he's crossing the line? And can he tell his sisters these details so they can understand better, or is that too far? Okay. I think since your partner's father doesn't usually talk about his problems, like I talk about everything all the time. So for me, it's easy. But I think for a guy like that, it probably took a lot of courage or maybe he was just desperate for someone to talk to and couldn't keep it to himself any longer. So it probably wasn't easy for him to open up. And I think all your partner can do is listen and empathize Remain non-judgmental, or he'll shut down. And there's no harm in your partner asking if he wants advice or help. The thing is, he should only give advice or help if his dad says he wants some. As for the personal details, I don't know how personal it was. It was a relationship, so maybe that was weird. 
for your partner. Because when it's your parent, even though we're all adults, we do sometimes feel awkward about certain personal subjects that we would think nothing of if we shared with a friend or if a friend shared it with us. I don't think he should share the details with the sisters unless the dad is okay with it, though. It might be okay for him to say that he's going through something, but maybe no more than that. And it might be okay to ask the dad if he's okay with sharing a little more with the sisters, because he might be surprised how much he appreciates the emotional support from all of his children. But if he tells the sisters too much, they'll have a secret and they'll feel weird if they know something they can't talk about in front of the dad. So you just have to be upfront about it. But isn't it ridiculous that men are expected to suck it up and be strong and not share when they're in pain? I just hope that boys and men these days are being encouraged more to share how they're feeling and not be embarrassed. Anger is not the only acceptable emotion for a man to have. They feel the full spectrum of emotions. And I think punching everything down just makes them angrier, more likely to explode. So I'm glad he at least opened up to his son. I hope he's feeling better about things soon, and I hope he's gotten out of that toxic relationship for good. Of course, I'm not a professional, and speaking to a professional, if that's possible, might be helpful. Your partner could even be feeling unsure about how to deal with his dad now that his dad has finally opened up. So it could be good for either of them or both of them. Anyway, I hope that helps. Thank you for listening. And if you have anything you'd like to share or ask, email me at jewelsays at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram. I won't read anything if you don't want me to but I will always respond. Have a good week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.